earliest musical uh, memory was uh, when I was growing up in Texarkana, Texas. And I was raised, like I've always said, by two grandmothers. And Mama Gooden, uh, strictly church. And all we could listen at was gospel down south in Texas and what have you. So I, I'm raised on the Mahalia Jacksons and Swan Silvertones, Dixie Hummingbirds, you know, that kind of group singing. But when my mother had me to come to Detroit in the year 19, let's say about 50, 51, that was during the time of uh, rock and roll in its infancy. To hear, you know, some of the great uh, R&B uh, songs at that time, you know, I mean, I was astounded to hear, you know, uh, uh, Roy Hamilton, Nat King Cole, uh, uh, Hank Ballard and the Midnighters, the Teenagers, Cadillacs. And then they used to have the big rock and roll shows to come to the Fox Theater. And uh, so I went, I must have been about 14 years old, and the Fox Theater, like I've always said, has been noted as the second largest indoor theater in America. Radio City is the first. To see 5,000 people going crazy over what five guys are doing down there on the stage, I was impressed. You know, because I'm turning and looking around, I said, they do that? They had that kind of command over 5,000 people going goo goo gaga? That's what I want to do. <laughs> Seven years later, the temptation was at the Fox Theater, and the same thing was happening to us. You uh -huh. know, so, uh, and at that time, we had signed with uh, Mr. Gordy, uh, Motown Records. And uh, we were having little records along the way. But when we got the way you do the things you do, that really set us in motion. So that's what I uh, uh, was raised up on and started, you know, realizing about the importance of music, and that's what I wanted to be in was music. So, as we were saying, Smokey Robinson wrote the way you, uh, wrote the way you do the things you do and yes. wrote My Girl. Um, and we've interviewed him already for this series. Mm -hmm. um, tell us a bit about interpreting his lyrics, because I think he said that the Temptations for him were the best vocal group on Motown. Um, uh, he's, he's such a wonderful spirit. Well, you know, to sing Smokey's songs is really easy. You know, if you can sing at all, because he... He'll lay out the format of the song. You know, he'll show you, he sat down to the piano and he'll pass out the lyrics and he'll sing, you know, the way the melody and the structure of the song. So once we have heard that, then it's easy for us to interpret what Smokey is talking about uh, for us to sing about. You know, so he's one of the easiest, aside from being one of the greatest producers that we've ever worked with, to uh, interpret his song songs so that the world could understand where we're coming from because smoke is as such that uh, he makes it very easy for us. And you're a baritone, right? Baritone so second tenor. When, when did you first realize that you were a very gifted vocalist? And do you, do you still have to do stuff to take care of your voice, like exercises or anything, or is it just completely natural for you? Really, what I have is just natural. I've never gone to any uh, vocal coach or anything like that. I could take care of my uh, throat better, you know, because one of the things that singers should not do, aside from drinking and smoking, is when you don't have to perform, try not to talk that much. Celine uh, Dion, she says she don't talk at all. When it's time for her to perform, she shut it down. And that's one of the best ways uh, to go about it is to coach you. When I had throat surgery a few years ago, um, my uh, uh, ENT said, you know, and he showed me on, the, um, on those gadgets that they have, 
your vocal cords hang like two pieces of draperies, you know, like that. You know, and I said, wow, really? He said, yeah, and, uh, you know, they move as such. You know, so it's best to try and uh, take care of them. I, I've never been a cigarette smoker. Uh, don't drink, you know, and uh, so I just try and take better care of myself, you know. Um, that's the real, you know, crux of trying to just take care of what God, you know, gave you. And you're still performing and it's been, is it 60 years next year? Next year it'll be 60 years. Do you still find being on the road and performing um, as enjoyable as you've ever done? Or, or does it ever feel like a, a strain to you? Never feel strange, but one of the things that I've realized is that the key to being able to do what we do, and we are a very physical act, you know, we're not one of those groups that just come out and stand and sing. Uh, our fans look for us to do all that stuff we're known for every night. The key to what we do for me anyway is when we finish performing, I go back to my room and I rest. I don't drink, I don't smoke, I don't stay out all night now. I'm not gonna sit up and say I was like, uh, you know, the Immaculate Conception. When we started out singing and when we were much younger, Oh yeah, we partied because, you know, showbiz, hit records, making money, girls, all the, you know, that. But I started reevaluating myself as I got older, you know, and I said, oh, that's what matters most, you know, your health or party. Health first. You know, you can have all the money in the world, but if you don't take care of yourself, you know, you're not going to last. So primarily, I just go back to my room and I sit uh, and I read. As long as you got great TV there for us, you know, I'm, I'm cool, you know, so... Uh, uh, and then with this young man over there, his name is Derek Porter, he be cracking the whip on us. We have to break day with a stick with him. By that, I mean we have to get up early. We're leaving uh, at 3 a.m. this morning. Wow. Yeah, see, that is. That's what we so did you have to go to bed at like 8 o'clock uh, or something? But so killing after we, okay, we are scheduled to do 70 minutes. I just dispense with all that energy. You geek after you come off the stage. You hype. So it takes a while for the body to settle on in. By the time the body starts settling on in, you tell them, all right, get up, time to go. So we get up and we do what we have to do, you know, to go to like in the morning, we leave at three in the morning. We're flying to Minneapolis, Minnesota. Uh, then we'll get there and we'll, I think Derek said, we'll have to get on a, 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 some kind of transportation bus or car and drive about another hour or so to get to where we're gonna perform. So that's a big chunk out of, uh, almost out of your day, you know. So the key to what we do is to take care of yourself. And, uh, cause I still enjoy it. When uh, people ask me, well, don't you get bored? And when I stop and break it down, I break it down like this. There are a lot of people that work and do nine to five. A lot of them be uh, cussing and mad that they have to do that. The biggest portion of what we have to do uh, out of what we do is 75 minutes. The real rough part of what we do is the traveling to get yeah. there. But once we get there, that's what we have to do, 75 minutes, and we're gone, making very good money. So I can't complain. It would be like me crying with a loaf of bread on the moms if I really stop and think on it. So I'm very blessed. But like I said, the rough part of what we do is the traveling. If you don't take care of yourself, it'll weigh you down and out. Well, I think that's a really inspiring message that, you know, you're really grateful to be doing what you're doing. But mm -hmm. I think... The reason why you're still around is because of those amazing songs and because of that, that vocal talent. And sure. I'd love to hear a little bit more about how The Temptations evolved from you know, the, the first hits, like My Girl, 
um, and Andrew Pradebeg into the sort of like more there was the, the the shift into sort of like psychedelic soul. Uh-huh. So what, what was that? What was that like? Well, and what was the reason for that? Well, the one thing, like I've often said, and it's very true, the one thing that's constant in life is change. We have been able to adapt to whatever the musical trend uh, might be. You know, at first we started off with the you know the R and B, pop stuff. You know, but late '60s, early '70s, when the psychedelic soul came about. I've always been fortunate enough to have very capable voices within my group. You know, whatever song is called for, somebody in my group can sing that song. I mean, I, got, I had guys in my group that could sing jazz. We steeped on singing gospel. R&B and pop, oh, that's just a drop in the bucket. You know, so when you have that kind of a, a vocal dexterity within my group, we can, we can make change. And so when the change came about for Cloud Nine, um, I had Dennis Edwards who could do that, Eddie Kendricks who could do that, Paul Williams who could do that, or Melvin Franklin and myself. Uh, so we were able to change to do whatever is necessary. Uh, we did an album called uh, Temps in the Mellow Mood, which there were songs on that which, which uh, would call for five-part harmony, sounding like the hollows of the, uh, either the, um, um, another noted group that could sing closer harmonies. We could do that. We did that on uh, uh, Mellow Moods, and then we went gospel on it. So it just depends on the song, you know, but I've been able to always have a uh, bunch of guys on me that we could sing anything. And, and when it comes to the harmonies, did, did that type of stuff require a lot of rehearsal? Sure. Um, oh, yeah. And, but did it also come in instinctively to be able to pick out harmony? Oh, well, pretty much, you know, but we've always, like when we were at Motown and uh, Motown Head, a department called Artist Development. Uh, they had a great man, God rest his soul, Maurice King. When Motown was getting ready to uh, uh, groom us to go into the smart room, such as the Copacabana and the Vegas rooms, so we were uh, rehearsed, we witchied, you know, and that means like, you know, rehearsing. And Maurice King would have us to come sit by, he'd be at the piano and he'd give each one of us our notes. We each had uh, our own cassette where we would put whatever parts that he wanted us to sing, uh, we'd have that answer. We would have to woodshed at, at home. But he would teach us how to sing close harmonies, you know, uh, like Hello Young Lovers, that's another kind of voicing, you know, you know, different from, you know, the regular R&B stuff, you know. So we have been able to uh, have some great, great uh, uh, teachers along the way. Charlie Atkins, who was our noted choreographer, Paul Williams first, was our noted choreographer. He started us to do what we're known for. Then Charlie Atkins came along later, Lon Fontaine. You know, um, like I said, Maurice King, our vocal coach, Harvey Fuqua, who used to sing with the Moonglows. Uh, they would instill all kinds of wonderful things about being in show business. And they would say, Maurice King told us one day, he said, I'm gonna tell you guys something now that you're becoming very popular and we're getting ready to take you all in a whole nother area. He said, remember this, your time is your time when you come in off the road and you close your door behind you. That's your time. He said, but when it's time to go on the road and you come out and you close your door behind you and you're outside of your house, that's no longer your time because people come up to see you and if they like you, they want to talk to you, they want you to autograph. So you have to remember that. Uh, another thing that we were taught that I still adhere to uh, today was uh, Maurice King. He said, four things I want to tell you guys, never get caught up in. We said, what pops, we call them pops, or either the wise or owl, because he had a, 
uh, uh, something over his ass. But uh, uh, he said, both things you don't get involved with. You don't talk to people about politics, religion, money, or who they're making love to. He said, don't do that. If you do that, you can get yourself in a world of trouble, especially us being who we are. I remember that last year, about 18 months ago, we were over in England. And Duke uh, uh, of the Four Tops, him and I had to go around to some very popular TV shows that had one of the, with the equivalents of like the Tonight Show when Johnny Carson was in power. So he said, yeah, the Temps and the Tops, they over here getting ready to do another tour of England and what have you, and then you gave us all the accolades. But he immediately switched. So what do you think about that? And I cut him off. I said, oh, no, we don't talk politics because I don't want to get over there. And we said the wrong thing. And boy, I'm telling you, uh, the Dixie Chicks went over there and said the wrong thing. And they got, they had to end up breaking up. I don't really? know if you, you don't remember that? I don't, I didn't, I never heard about that. But I mean, I really do oh, agree with you. Yeah, 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 yeah. Excuse me, they were white. And they got over there and they said something about President Bush. And we so we hate that he's from our uh, state of Texas, which I'm from Texas. They had sold out a whole lot of dates um, while they were uh, before they came back uh, in the states. They had sold out a lot of dates. Record sales was going through the through the roof. They came back. Concerts was gone. Record sales plummeted. Oh, uh, damn near broke up. Yeah, and then you know you you don't want to say something about someone's belief in who they want to pick as, you know, a leader of our country. So the best way, you know, is like I shut him down. The guy had a quizzical look on his face when I said, oh, no, we don't talk politics. It's like I took the, uh, the wind out of his head. Uh, oh, okay, well, Thompson, you know, we're all tops, and we're so glad that you guys are over here, you know, we ended well, it and we left. It's probably because a lot of interviewers these days are sort of on the hunt for, uh, for gossip and stuff like that and politics yeah. rather than talking about the music, which yeah. is, yeah. you know, Really, well, really, what you guys are celebrated for oh, yeah, is that's amazing music. True, you know. So I, I, I'm learning a lot. You know, I will never say I've learned a lot because life is ever learning, you know. But I, I've learned a lot, and uh, you know, I still keep my eyes and ears open because uh, every day is a different day, you know. And I just try, and I'm very thankful for God letting us be able to get ready to celebrate uh, 60 years, you know, because, uh, like I said, when they interviewed me on the CBS Morning Show about my uh, play, you know, and the lady asked me, you know, Otis, well, what do you think about the Chimp's life story or your life story of getting ready to open up on Broadway? My opening line was, you could have tipped me over with a feather if I would believe that this would be happening. And I've had people come up to me, you could have tipped me over with a feather. I like that. I'm going to use that. But my ear runs that. Yeah, my ear runs that way, you know. So, uh, you know, I'm just a very blessed, learned person and still learning about people, places, and things. And that longevity, um, you know, I guess it could be illustrated by, I was in a, in a nightclub a couple of years ago, and I just heard this record with these amazing lyrics, mm -hmm. and it just sounded so much better than what I would normally hear in a nightclub. And it was treated like a lady. <laughs> and it was being played next to like things from the top 40 and stuff, and everybody was going wild really? and uh yeah, so like to, to have had that longevity like from the, you know, the birth of Motown and really, you know, in the 1960s being one of the leading groups to then sort of still be going in the 80s with a totally different sound. Right. Um, what was that like in the studio? Because your vocals are still, I guess, 
Yeah, the same. Well, well, let me tell you about how Treat Her Like a Lady uh, came about. The late, great Ollie Woodson, him and I, uh, you know, we out on the road and we listen and talk, excuse me, to people. And I've heard a lot of women even say still today, where are the men? The guys, they don't know how to treat a lady nowadays. And, you know, we heard it enough that one day Ollie was sitting in, uh, at my house and he was playing, you know, uh, and he hit a groove and I started, I'm the kind of guy who don't believe he said, yeah, yeah, man, that's good, that's good, go, go, you know. So him and I wrote Treat Her Like a Lady. As of a few days ago, Treat Her Like a Lady has been out for 26 years. I said, wow, how time flies, you know. 26 years ago, that record was out. But, you know, it's something that uh, women especially can relate to and try to, you know, remind the guys of how to treat ladies, you know, because uh, they're very special. You know, sometimes, you know, with such liberated times, like we say in the record, you know, it's so easy to forget, you know. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, we should never forget that I was raised that way by my grandmothers and mothers, how to treat a lady, you know. And I was telling uh, my son, I said, I got to tell Miles, you know, a lot of guys nowadays, when you walk down the street, how are you supposed to walk down the street with a woman? arm in arm and also you're meant to stand on the side of the road that's like you know closest to to the vehicles they should be on the other side smart man <laughs> you know a lot of guys don't know that when you walk down the street if you love the woman if you care for her, she's supposed to be in the inside yeah you're on the outside because that's one of uh, uh i was told if she's on the outside you're selling her she's cheap you don't want that not if it's a woman you care for even if it's a woman that you know you know if you're walking down the street you put on the uh, inside you walk on the outside. A lot of guys nowadays don't do that. Another thing I teach my son, I said, when you get ready to, a lady get ready to car, open the door, you go around and open the door for her. And uh, make sure she, you close the door, then you walk around. If she's driving, you get on the uh, passenger side. Or either if uh, you're driving, you can go to the passenger side and open the door for her, and then you get in. A lot of guys don't do that nowadays. Yeah. Know? But I, I try and tell. It's a, such a great message for yeah. a song. Oh, yeah. And for a fun song as well. Yeah. Yeah, well, Treat her like a lady nowadays, especially when we go to England, but even here in the States. Uh, if we do not do treat her like a lady, uh, we might get called every name except the child of God. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I can imagine. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I wanted to ask but I, whether, whether it be on the set, but I just, you know, I didn't, in case the answer was no, I didn't want to. Oh, yeah. No, we do that. And i tell you something about my girl. Uh, my girl came out uh, December of 1964. February of 1965, we were at the Apollo, and Mr. Gordy sent us a telegram congratulating us that it was number one and we sold over a million copies. Even the Beatles sent us a congratulation about uh, My Girl. So after a while, we said, well, My Girl, it did all it's going to do. We can take it out and put some of our new stuff in. We will never, ever take My Girl out the lineup. We did the show, and people were having a hissy fit about us not doing uh, My Girl. So I tell the guys, even today, I said, we, there are certain songs that can never, ever come out of the Temptations of Repertoire. My Girl, Just My Imagination, uh, I Wish You Would Rain, The Way You Do The Things You Do, Treat Her Like Lady. I mean, the list is endless, but it's we can so only long, do, yeah. oh yeah, we're only uh, able to do anywhere from 70 to 75 minutes. You know, so we try and, uh, and put the real meaty songs that we know the our fans want to hear in the show. And we're doing a couple of things like our new CD. We have two songs 
that we're doing uh, from that. But other than that, certain star songs will forever be in our lineup. <laughs> do you ever do you ever get bored of those big hits and wish that you could play some deeper cuts, or are you so well versed in? No, you know what? When I hear artists say, "Man, I'm, those songs are boring," they, I get tired of saying that. You know, the first thing come to my mind, they should quit. They really should. Anytime people put their hard-earned money out to come see you sing songs that made you become who you are, and you're gonna say, "We tired of that. We got tired. They boring." Quit, man. Don't take the people's money and you don't want to sing this song the way it should be sung for them that want to come see you. They I should leave that's the business. very admirable thing to say. Yeah. yeah. And I hear a lot of them, oh, tired of that song. Well, I, if they ask me, I said, y'all should quit. Yeah. Yeah, you should quit. You're, you're taking right, the people's right. money and not giving them uh, the feeling of what uh, they bought. Wrong attitude. Well, you've had some, some very good advice, I think, so far. And um, one question I'd like to ask you is relating to you know, what you hear on the radio right now. Um, is there, are there artists that you really like who you think should be given more exposure? Or are you so, or are you so busy with touring that you rarely get, get the chance to listen to stuff? No, I, I try and listen to what's happening uh, in the world, you know, today, especially music-wise, because I'm in it. You know, yeah. and for people like you to ask me, what, what do I think? Uh, I try and be, you know, knowledgeable enough to give you some kind of answer. And uh, on the real side, I'm not impressed with some of the stuff I hear on the radio today. It shows to me that we are, have become a very decadent society. Anytime you can get on the radio and cuss to get a song across, what's that about? And they'll beep it. I said, you might as well leave the beep in because, you know, kids now, they come out of the mother going straight to the computer. And you beep, oh, we know what they say. Not good. That's why My Girl and Wish It Would Rain, Just My Imagination, Papa Was a Rolling Stone, that's why they're so very popular today. They're non-offensive. Yeah, we ain't cussing. Shame. We ain't talking about what a woman got the, or either hit the one record, or the bitch better have my money. What? Yeah. So I'm not impressed with a lot of stuff that I hear on the radio today. Every now and then, artists come along, I say, nah, they can sing. I like that song. But all in all, no. I'm not impressed with too much of stuff that I hear on the radio. And do you think that a lot of that problem is to do with the songwriting? Uh, well, you know, I think it, it could be because, you know, they have such a, a latitude of being able to express themselves, but I still fault the FCC. They have relaxed their laws. They have relaxed their laws to the point that, uh, oh, oh, okay, we can get that kind of, okay, go ahead, no, we'll, we'll, we'll look the other way. Like I said, when we started singing, they said, Kemp's, no cuss words, and we weren't about to cuss no way. We just wanted to sing. But Miss Edwards Berry's older sister, God rest her soul, we were doing a song uh, for Italy and Germany and things like that. But we were in the studio, and there's one I know we'll She said, now, Kemp's, you know, you guys sound good, but no cuss words. Man, I'm telling you, I listened to the radio the other day coming out, and that girl said what she said three times. I said, I don't believe this. It's very reflective of where we are as a people. Who else, if you were picking a list of your favorite musicians of all time, I'm talking about? Oh, them. well, of all time. Both two of my ladies and they're no longer here. Riri, Aretha Franklin. See, I stay right around the corner from her in Detroit. I would go around the house and sit and talk with her because her younger sister, who's since passed, Carolyn Franklin, we were very good friends. Uh, the other one that I sat and listened 
too. And I said, good Lord, have mercy. Whitney Houston. I had to put Whitney Houston right behind uh, Aretha Franklin. God gave that girl a beautiful voice. And to hear where it was no longer the way it was at the beginning, it was saddening. You know, but uh, um, then, you know, Marvin Gaye. Love me some Marvin Gaye. Jackie Wilson. Um, Al, Al Green. Um, who else? Gospel Sad, you know, Mahalia Jackson. Uh, Claude Jeter from uh, the Clouds, uh, Mighty Clouds of Joy, I think he was from. Um, I mean, it's, the list is so long, I, I'd be here for a while running down a lot well, of those, those are some good suggestions, obviously. Some, some of them are no longer with us, but right. I would be very much inclined to agree, as, you know, especially with Aretha Franklin, which was yeah. such sad news. Yeah, yeah. But, um, well, Otis, it's been a real pleasure and an honor to speak to you, so thanks so much. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you. All right.